welcome to Sanctuary First, a, a Friday night review. And it's the welcome to our panel. Unfortunately, I've got bad news to share with you that uh, Laura Dagen, who was going to be with us tonight, she was out walking her dog this evening, I believe, and she went over on her ankle. And uh, she's not very, she's kind of feeling sorry for herself. Understandably. Uh, Understandably. So she's decided to to have an early night and go to bed. But she's going to be up early in the morning for the prayers, she says. So she's a real spiritual giant. Absolutely. <laughs> so listen, we'll just say a wee, a wee, a wee shout out to, to, to Laura tonight. But a huge welcome to you, Ronica Karch, who's joining us tonight as our, our guest writer. You've been with us all week. And also welcome to Ian Jimison. And to James Cathcart, you, Hi, you better be in your best behaviour tonight, sir. I know, I know, I don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, also uh, a nod to uh, Ray, uh, Ray Manger, who's behind the weekly review there, acting as our, uh, our, our tech person tonight. So welcome to everyone. Uh, yes, our theme tonight is we're looking at uh, All That Glitters Isn't Gold. And uh, we're looking at the idea of what, where, where do we find the real gold in our lives? And uh, we're going to be just talking about bling. Who likes bling? I'm not sure if any of us really are into bling. Uh, but uh, James, you wrote all this, so I'm just uh, repeating it. <laughs> I don't mind <laughs> so a bit of bling, you must Albert. Be a bit I, of bling, bling. Are you? I didn't realise you were a, a bling, bling person, but maybe. Yeah. <laughs> you should see I've got these trainers, um, uh, a present from my mum, actually. Uh, from Rona, and uh, they are these bright pink trainers, and they are about the blingiest thing you've ever seen. I think there's Martians that can see my trainers. <laughs> they are. They burn the retina as I run past you. And actually, Mum, I seem to remember you had a pair of gold shoes once. I you did. A pair of gold trainers I, I when still, we were growing up. I still up. have them. They, they even have pointy toes as well. So you know, uh, they have this sort of sort of like um, pointy toes, and they're sort of a bronzy gold. And the, the soles are just about worn off, but I just love them anyway. And every once in a while, I'll dig them out with nostalgia and, uh, and wear them just for the sake of it. Because there's, you know, the idea that the clothes make the man kind of thing. And, and I think sometimes wearing a certain outfit, something that's a bit brighter, a bit shinier, it can... I think Ian knows what I'm talking about. You yeah, know, something that's a wee bit... <laughs> a wee bit shiny. It can, mm. can do wonders for your confidence, can't I'm, it? I'm kind of renowned for just being a bit of a hippie at work <laughs> yeah you're not really blingy being are you you're more yeah do you, do you know in the 90, in the 70s one of the big things was men were into wearing a they, they would have these um sheepskin jackets and then they would but they would have their their, their shirt wide open and they would have these gold gold medallions you know and they I remember when I worked in the bank, <laughs> you got one. No, you've not. See, I remember working in the bank and this guy came in to see the boss and uh, he he had the sheepskin coat and the, the gold bling. He had been working abroad and, you know, he had been making good and he wanted to see the boss. So it, it was one of one of the boss's pals who, who at this, this particular manager had the, had been creative in bringing in all kinds of new customers. And uh, so this particular man had a new idea. He, he was into bling, but he had bought, a, a, when he was a, on his travels, wherever it was he worked, 
he had bought a huge diamond. And uh, he'd got a loan from the bank for the diamond uh, as an overdraft. And I think it was about five grand or something like that. And uh, he was in to report to the boss about the diamond because the idea was that um, he was he bought this huge diamond, but he, he'd got a diamond cutter lined up to cut the diamond and cut it in so many pieces and then it would be worth an awful lot more. But unfortunately, the diamond cutter didn't quite get it right and the diamonds weren't nearly worth, you know, so he was in to say that the, the overdraft was going to take a wee bit longer to get paid. Gosh, because it's his shattered <laughs> diamonds. So, yeah. you know, I, I always think when you were thinking about bling, I was thinking that's a wee story I could tell tonight about. I'll, I'll tell you a wee story. And you'll remember this, Albert, from, from when we were a much younger men. Um, and uh, and we were, we'd started off playing the band and stuff and I became a doctor. And uh, what you could do is you could buy, um, the big thing those days was it was kind of like, early 90s and it was all about the city of London and it was all about driving your Porsche um, and all that kind of stuff and the thing that people used to have was they used to have these silk shirts and Albert I remember I, job, I, I, I bought a job lot of silk shirts right? <laughs> and silk shirts and, and waistcoats now I still wear my waistcoats I have to say but um, you had waistcoats, silk shirts and you had either braces um, and then you had a big gold watch, right? And it had to be a Rolex watch. I couldn't afford a Rolex watch. But one time when we were on tour in Australia, you had to pass through Singapore um, to get to Australia. No, you bought the silk, you bought the silk <laughs> pyjamas. <laughs> to go and take us round where you could buy the fake Rolexes. And, I, you know, I, I wore that fake Rolex with pride for years until it started working. <laughs> And then I gave it away for something else. Well, I remember well, listen, a, a yeah. comment with, with for, to do with, with you, Albert, and Bling, which was when you were serving as moderator for the Church of Scotland, and uh, someone was talking about the moderator's ring and how, how blingy it was. And you made the comment that when you were standing there with all the Church of England hygians in all their fancy robes and you were looking like a black crow, amongst <laughs> them, it was good that you had the biggest ring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, you shouldn't have brought that one up, Rona, because, you know, that, that was the time the, 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 the jewellery went missing during my time, you know that. <laughs> I didn't know that. I yes. <laughs> Yeah, it got looking mixed. at you, Ian. Looking at you. Uh, I won't go into all the details, but uh, it went missing okay. uh, on a trip back from Zambia. Oh, uh, the jewellery went missing, the bling. The bling. Uh, so I had the embarrassing situation at the General Assembly to hand on to the next moderator. Uh, we had pla we got somebody to remodel to do the whole yeah. thing, you know, but it wasn't ready in time. So. I had to hand on something. So what I did was, when before I left Bones, my, my session clerk had given me, you know one of these crosses you carry in your pocket, the wooden cross? Yeah, yeah. And he had carved it out for me. So I decided that what I would hand on to uh, Lorna was the wooden cross. And I said to her, well, uh, uh, silver and gold have I none. <laughs> as such as I have, I give to you. 
a more authentic wooden cross because I don't think Jesus was into the bling anyway. <laughs> but the bling was returned. We never got the bling. It's never returned. But if somebody there has got that, it would be nice to return it again because the insurance has paid up for it and they've now got the stuff. So if you want to send back the bling to me, I can, I can wear it next week. <laughs> Oh, yes. Oh, there, yeah, I got, brought it back to my memory again. Yes. That's what he's remembered as. You know, some of that's the guy that, that's the guy that gets stolen. And I, I say, if it had been me, the same thing would have happened because I can't, I, I, I wear earrings quite often, but they're always cheap and cheerful because I cannot not lose them. Oh. Um, they just seem to vanish no matter what I do. Yeah, well. yeah, I, yeah, yeah. It, it didn't take long before the fake Rolexes wore off. <laughs> but Albert, all this gold chat. What? Why are we talking about gold tonight? What's the? Do you want to uh, yeah, unwrap the next layer of the we've mystery? Been thinking, we've been thinking about this whole area of what makes us human, and uh, you know that it's as we you know, part of what makes us human is a, is your idea was, of course, was the, to, to look at the, we're made of gold dust, we're made of, made of stardust, and within it all there is something else within us, you know, and the, the, the dust, you know, we're maybe made of dust of the earth, but, but there's something else, and the, I suppose the only thing I think I can think about is, think about the gold, is that, um, there is always something special within us, even in the midst of all that. There is some gold, pure gold within our lives. Well, as you pointed out, Mum, in your uh, daily worship, and it was a thing I'd uh, mentioned before as well, that we have gold, about 0 0.2 milligrams of gold in our blood um, as well. So that's uh, the, the, there's fun a detail. You're right, Rona, about that. And, and I think that... Um, I think it's true of a lot of people because a lot of us go through our lives and we never know how precious we are, even though we might be, and even though we are very precious, precious to God, but we we might not feel very precious. But there's a bit of the prayer that you wrote um, in response to uh, Genesis one three, um, and it was uh, if I could read it, if you don't mind. You wrote, Starduster, mineral maker, origin of light and life. We know we are but specks, tiny organic compounds granted the gift of consciousness. Yet within our, in us there is gold. Help us to uncover the warmth, the luster you planted deep inside us, that we might gleam with gratitude, wonder and praise. And this is the best bit. And you're right. May we know this week that however deeply it is buried, However dull we might feel, we are golden. Man, that was just incredible. That was a Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young song right there. That was cool. Ads. I loved it. <laughs> Not everybody will have an earworm. Uh, at least those who know the song after they've uh, <laughs> read that That's one. Runner. But it is lovely, that whole um, idea of flecks of gold. You know the idea that um, they're buried within us. You know it's almost like this little hint, this little sign um, that we there's something more to us, um, and we don't maybe feel golden all the time. Well, but, I think um, you know you see it. this whole like if we take it another way, you know, 
I think there is opportunities that sometimes people, we can help someone else shine or we can give somebody else the opportunity to shine or to use something of value that they have to make a difference in the world. And over the years, I know that Willie McPherson and myself, with the work we did with the Vine Trust and over the years, but thinking about, I think one of the, the great gifts that Willie has is that he's able to draw alongside people and, pure, and pull out the gold in their lives. Not just physically, yes, <laughs> but, but more than that, it, it also spiritually to help people see the value they have that they can contribute to something and make a difference. And, it, and, and people sometimes don't re realize where they can serve. They don't, and it takes someone to say, this, this piece here fits here, like the jigsaw puzzle maker, that, that somebody feels that they're just a loose part of a jigsaw. But if somebody knows where that can be placed, then they can make the connection that makes a connection for something else to happen. Hence, we had this in Divine Trust, this phrase, connecting people to change lives. And it's, it's, it's allowing these gold connections in our lives to make, to, to, make the, 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 to make the connections work and to make, let the electricity flow through or whatever it is to make, get the power to flow through. And just there's so much out there that we don't, we don't, we don't use. And it, it, it's um, finding ways to say to people, you know, you could help with this or you could help with that and giving them the opportunity to do it. Sometimes people do need assistance for that. They, you know, they can't always see it themselves. In fact, most of us probably can't see it ourselves. Um, and just like um, gold or precious metals, it's what it's what the craftsperson does with them. Even like the story you were telling about the diamond and the way it's cut and everything like that. That can that can shape what what happens. Um, mm -hmm. So so yeah. We... But but I think that's it in a nutshell, and that's maybe why we why we pray, why we open ourselves up to, you know, to God is to to have that realization of that divine spark of that gold, you know, to realize that, you know, we are golden and we are worth it, and it's so often people don't feel worth it, and and I think that's one of the the things about perhaps that, you know, one of the difficult things maybe about Christianity is is to always have in the forefront of your mind that people are worth it. They're always, well, Jesus thought everybody was worth it. Yeah. And as Christians, we need to think everybody's worth it. And they might do, you know, man, they might do terrible things, but they're still worth it. Mm -hmm. Something in there is that worth it person. And people need to know that and understand that. A lot of the people I deal with, they don't feel worth it. But, you know, they'll maybe snort something and that'll make them feel worth it for 25 minutes. Do you know what I mean? Or mm. half a bottle of whiskey and you'll feel worth it for 20 minutes. Do you know, see if anybody has time, you should go and listen to Jim Jim's uh, Friday afternoon jam session this week. Peter was singing one of his songs who, Peter's one of the songwriters who comes on and Peter is a recovering, um, a, a person who's in recovery. And, you know, he's doing really, really well. And he's, but songwriting has become part of his way out of it. 
And the great thing is that he actually writes songs during the session and then sings them. And oh. today he gave a little bit of a testimony about his life and, and how, um, you know, he, he shouldn't have been there because he's just, you know, he said he's, he's you know, the, the, he, should, he, should, he shouldn't be alive today because of all the different things that's happened to him. But it's almost as though there's something, there's pure gold in what he has. And Jim, Jim was just picking up that whole idea saying, but you're worth it. There's something more, you know, a, there's something more for you to do and all that kind of stuff. But it is, it's what you're saying, Ian is right. Helping people to see that they are worth it. Mm. I, I, I said to Peter, just, I'm not going to go into detail, but I said to Peter about something. He was down recording down here and, um, he came down with a song that he was he was amazed that a song that he'd written in five minutes would turn out the way that it did and whenever he brings out his record you'll hear it um and uh, and it did it turned out incredibly well and uh his his vocal on it the lyrics are just just fantastic um he might even play it maybe in one of the jam sessions i don't know but it really was quite quite something about a song about recovery um but you know peter See, see people who have been there. They've been there. They've been to the depths of addiction and uh, depression, and they've they've faced into the void. They've faced into the point where um, there's nothing left for them, and yet they've accepted God into their hearts. They've turned their life around. They're recovered people. They face their demons because the biggest dragon we ever have to slay is ourselves. You know, and and I think Christ promises that he's that he's there for that battle. But see the people that are my heroes, they're not the Marvel heroes, you know what I mean? They're not sporting heroes. The people that are my heroes are recovered people. People who have been there. They've had the easy option. Um, and they've seen it for what it is, really what it is, and really what they are. And then they've come out the other side, and why? Because they've maybe recognised the gold that's within them. Or some good Christian person has pointed out to them that there may be something there, that they are worth it. And then they come out the other side, and these are my real heroes. I think these are properly heroic people. We should admire them, because they've slain the biggest dragon ever. Um, just, just my two. Points. You know, thinking about that, can I take that to the, the complete another, a complete opposite end, but the same struggle, and it ties in with what you were writing today, um, Rona. You're talking about Jeremiah, and uh, you're entitled to peace, practical yoker. The the struggle that Jeremiah had in being faithful to the call that God gave him to speak in such a way that he's almost talking insurrection to a people that don't want to hear it, to a message that's, that he knows nobody's going to listen to, and yet he's persistent and it's driving him crazy. He's depressed and fed up at times because following Jesus, or not following Jesus, but following God as a prophet, it was just so demanding and so difficult. You know, and it's the opposite end of what Ian was saying, but it's the same thing in some ways. That struggle being faith, faithful and what you're talking about is, again, in this, you talk about 
to be faithful to what you've been given to do. And you almost need that streak of gold to, 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 keep, you, to keep, you, keep you strong. There's a lovely bit there. Um, sorry, Mum, I was just going to say it towards the end of the reflection uh, part where you write, even the heaviest or strangest of yokes around his neck could not bury the gleam of truth in Jeremiah's eyes. And in terms of what you were saying, Albert, I think there is that kind of, it's almost like getting to a kind of trace element that's like core within us that can survive. And I was thinking, Mum, about how in the service on Sunday, we were looking at the, the reading, which you'll be turning to tomorrow, which kind of ends your week. But in First uh, Corinthians 3.10, the idea that, you know, Paul is saying that Christ is our foundation, but we choose what to build on. And gold is one of the list of potential things, gold, silver, wood, hay, straw. And this idea that through the fire, through life, we'll see, you know, we'll see what sustains. And one of the sort of beautiful things about gold is that it's quite vulnerable you know it's easy like pure gold is very malleable you can easily twist it or change it um but it it doesn't tarnish and uh there's this in terms of like what you were saying ian about the strength through you know having made it through adversity and these challenges that people have you know there are aspects of who we are which will be burnished by what we've gone through you know that can't be taken from us can't be robbed from us um, and so I think like, like with that glint in Jeremiah's eye, there's like a, you know, steeliness is another sort of metallic metaphor, but there's a kind of glint in us, isn't there, which can not only survive hard times, but actually be burnished, can be refined through hard times. Yeah, and I think this theme that Jeremiah has, uh, you're talking about, you picked up, Rona, is also picked up, I think, in one of the readings this week, also about Paul and Corinthians. He's talking to the Corinthian church about how difficult it has been for him and, and his, his colleagues to bring the gospel to the Corinthians. And that they, they, they've gone through really hard times, but, but uh, he, he didn't gain anything from, from being a follower of Jesus, but in actual fact, it cost them everything. And I think sometimes we forget about, uh, in our Connect group this week, when we were studying this and looking at it, we were just talking about how we can forget about the, the many people in different parts of the world today who are followers of Jesus and who are, are, who are a bit like Jeremiah, are going through the mill, they're under great persecution, but they stick, they, 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 they don't give up. They still hold to that which they believe to be true and it costs them everything. I think there's something there too. One of the things I found quite, um, gold is quite a rich, uh, material for metaphor because of all the different kind of qualities it has and the textures and the history of it and, and all the rest and and I got to think and we talked a little bit of this about Sunday uh, on Sunday as well about um, you know the, the kind of what you might think of as soft golden values you know we're in a world that 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 values different sorts of things you know it values more structural types of materials perhaps you know signs what what the world sees as strong you know the kind of vocal hostility that you were getting in some of the politics this week and 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 uh, or people who are you know wealthy and all of and all of that kind of stuff gets valued by um, by society in some ways but those are not those are not the gospel values. Those are not the, the really eternal stuff, the stuff that can be hammered and, 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 um, and beaten into shape, but doesn't lose that quality. And I'm, I was struck in terms of what you said, Ian, in terms of that um, often, 
folks who have um, turned to addictions are often people who are quite sensitive and uh, vulnerable and and have all these 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 actually lovely qualities but they're in a world that doesn't necessarily value those qualities and they're kind of surrounded by messages that that you know either deliberately or accidentally come in at them and don't value these qualities you know you're supposed to be strong you're supposed to be all of this um, and, and so there's a way that society kind of presses in on people that way. And part of what we can do with the gospel is look for that, that those internal qualities and celebrate them and try and help people to see that these are, um, they, they may not be comfortable. It might mean you do get shat, you know, sort of shattered sometimes. You do get melted down. You do, these things do happen to you. So they're not always comfortable qualities to have, but they are precious. Mm-hmm. You made a link on uh, Sunday to the gifts of the spirit um, yeah. as a way of kind of fleshing that out, um, some of these values. Uh, and it, it also, I mean, you make that back to my, my what I was talking about previous is 1 Corinthians 4, 10 to 13, where you also talk about this part about face forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, sometimes we, we have to trust God and, and we fall forward. You know, it's very hard to do. It's a really good piece you've, you've written about that. But it, it, it also just the, the prayer at the end, which is beautiful. When I fall, may I not fall backwards, slipped up by my own misstep or overconfident by my refusal to look down or by the obstacle in the road, which I didn't see. When I fall, may I fall forwards, eyes open and arms still, knowing it is foolish, knowing there will be pain but may I fall through the pain, through the rejection, through the, the failure, through the doubt and the struggle into the arms of grace. And I think that's just quite quite a, a lovely piece to him in it, prayer. Oh, but it was the one thing that I wanted to, because you know me, I always like to give a bit of a challenge to the, <laughs> the writer. Um, and, and I did feel that was beautiful. I did feel that encapsulated a lot of actually what I would pray, that would be like my morning prayer if I could make it that way. Um, because it would be, you know, I would really like to all of those things in that prayer. But you know, often we find people who have prayed that prayer and yet they have fallen and they've fallen flat in their face or they've fallen backwards or through their own actions. Mm-hmm. They've damaged themselves and those around them so much that they feel they're beyond all redemption and help. And what I often find myself saying to people is, really, it doesn't matter. You know, it's, this is almost a prayer of, go on and just not let this happen. But it, if it does happen, that doesn't mean that you did the wrong thing. It just means you are where you are. Mm-hmm. And Jesus kind of meets you where you are. And that was my kind of, you know, th- thing that, that I found myself thinking at the end of that, Rona. So I, can you expand on what you were thinking when, when you thought, what you thought? Because sometimes when I deal with people that are at the other end of that pa- that, that prayer, um, they prayed that prayer, but God wants them to learn something. God wants them to be moulded and changed and burnished into something new. Maybe something even better than that. So to me, it's a step and a line of stones of a journey 
that's how I kind of saw it. What, what's your thoughts, Rona? Well, I do. I agree with you about it being a journey and about the need for change. And I think perhaps that's where the trust comes in. That you know, you're falling, you're falling forward into, you know, through this process of change into, um, and and when you hit the ground, as you sometimes do, the idea is that's not the end. You then fall through that, and you fall through the next bit, and and all the rest. So it's that feeling that there's still that that projection, but that in in developing that trust in God, which let's face it is really hard. We say it all the time, but but it's really hard to do, especially when you're when you're flailing or when you're falling. Um, and um, but ultimately that trust is what it keeps you soft enough. You know, one of the reasons when you're when you're learning to fall, you know, in theater or anything like that, one of the things they try and teach you to do is to be as relaxed as possible. Because the more you can relax your muscles the less you'll actually hurt yourself when you fall, which is the exact opposite of what we want to do. You know, we want to have our, our, um, you know, my <laughs> daughter, Sarah, James's sister broke her wrists when she was 10 falling off a scooter because she did the absolutely natural thing of reaching forward. And that's what snapped, um, snapped the bones in her wrist. And um, so I think, I don't know, I think part of the process is learning to, learning to be soft enough in our trust of God instead of all, you know, sort of, rigid and, and full of barriers that we can we can we can be moldable malleable we can make those those changes i guess that would be part of my thinking on that well it makes complete sense actually and I'm, I'm it's nice to see that kind of clarification of those layers that we sometimes fall through you know we think we've hit the bottom yeah. that's, do you know what i mean that's not the bottom that's just another stepping stone it's another <laughs> bit of glass in the way to somewhere else it's the c.s lewis idea of further up and further in isn't it really um it's like you know it's lovely it was quite i mean it was uh, to to be honest it was as i say it's the kind of prayer that i would want to pray you know every morning it's it's that kind of a thing that lives within me as a christian that whole thing like you know you know change me into the person you want me to be god but going to just not do it in a bad way Just could he not? Just not please, yet. God. please, God, not not like that, not <laughs> now. Well, that's not... the thing, though, because and and sometimes God just, just you know, sometimes God just says no, no. Yeah. No. yeah. I have a friend who has some hearty conversations with God about his uh, what she sees as his choices of how to bring about change and things like that. She'll say, "Seriously, God, couldn't this have happened an easier way?" Yeah. <laughs> There's something interesting in um in the prayer as well, Mum, about the idea of agency. So so this idea that you've kind of choosing to fall, like choosing to take that step and to take the trust. But because it's a vertical journey, if and I think I said this to you when I when I first read the prayer, but when you're falling down, you can't then change <laughs> you know so you can't so there's a way in which you're almost like you're taking the agency and you're taking the trust, but then you're also saying, well, but then I have to fall through it and then I have to go through it because you can't fall around something. You know, you can't be like hurtling downwards and then think, oh, I'll just get past that haystack or whatever. Like if you're heading to the haystack, you're heading in. And I think that's an interesting kind of way of thinking about our um, Christian life or, or our kind of relationship with God sometimes is that owning the decision, but also being able to do it lightly. And I guess it's coming back to what you said before about a certain gentleness, you know, that actually we don't hold on dead tight and think that we can like drive the parachute down because parachutes can't be driven. You have to just fall. 
Uh, so it's, yeah, it's an interesting mix of the two. Oh, horrifying and wonderful. Both <laughs> of those things at the same time. Do you know what? It's horrifying to, you know, when you think to yourself, do you know what, God, I'm just going to put my trust in you, right? Because whatever it's going to be, it's going to be. And I'm just going to keep on going down that road. It's like Jeremiah. I'm just, right, do you know what? I know this is real. I'm just going to go with it. And you keep on going with it. And you, stuff happens and stuff happens. You think, nah, I'm just going to keep on going with it because that's what faith is all about. Do you know, it's it's wonderful, but it's also horrifying because there's that <laughs> part of you that's like, oh no, but what's happening? You know, what's my life turned to? Um, yeah. I have lots of difficult conversations with God about things. I guess sometimes we have to have them. The, the song that, 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 that expression of falling forward in the arms of grace that I'm quoting there comes from the, the, the beginning of the chorus goes, take my whole heart, I won't hold back the least part. I want to fall face forward into the arms of grace. Um, um, may my passion be so undivided that I won't... Oh, Do you remember the rest of the verse, James? Hang on. Give nothing less. Give nothing less, yeah. Um, so so the, the song is about not holding anything back of yourself and just completely letting yourself go into God. Um, and um, yeah, it's a really challenging thing to do and we probably fail at it every single day. Certainly I fail at it every single day, but it's, 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 still, uh, it's still worth attempting to do. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a good project to be on. <laughs> Absolutely. I did bring a prop this evening. Oh, um, oh. In terms of gold, you know, we were talking about bling at the beginning. So I got, I brought my my blingiest possession, <laughs> bit of of, of uh, a jewelry, and I, I don't do I don't do a lot of jewelry. Um, and uh, this this really struck me in terms of the illustration this week and and the gold because you can see it's quite blingy. Um, and catching the light there. And this was, this was a gift from my middle sister, my sister Gillian, a number of years ago. And she'd thought about it carefully because what it is, is, is it is a maple leaf. There's an, it was an actual leaf that was then coated in very, very fine gold um, plate. So, uh, so the idea is that the gold has been, has been made so thin and so fine that it would, it would pick up all the, um, the veins. All the veins. Mm. And it is soft, you know, we're talking about the malleable thing, you can actually bend it um, and make it, um, make it a, a move. But, but the thing that made this particularly special um, for me in the context, so my sister sent it to me because she was you know, thinking I needed something Canadian after being in Scotland for a number of years, so it was important to have this kind of Canadian maple leaf. But also my sister Gillian is blind, so she chose this by the feeling of it and the description of it and being able to visualize it rather than because she was capable of seeing it herself. And, and I just, uh, that was a lovely thought, just the idea that the, the texture and the quality of gold isn't just about what it looks like. Uh, and the idea that she, she literally felt the shape of it and she, she had a choice of several and she felt them all to see which one felt like it would be, um, be the right one. The best leaf. The best leaf. Um, so, so yeah, so that's why that is, that is a little precious bit of bling for me. Uh, wow, that's a with that many things that I wear, so <clears throat> I don't wear it that often, but it has that, that bit of, that bit of history, um, to it. Oh, so, fantastic. yeah, that's, that, that's strength, but malleability and that texture of the gold. 
cool. It's lovely that there's an actual leaf inside that mm. as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Preserved in gold. Mm. Oh, I love that. It's truly lovely. What about this fool's gold? <clears throat> Tell me a bit about fool's gold. <laughs> I always uh, find the idea of fool's gold interesting um, because it's the thing that looks like gold but isn't. So it has the glitter, um, or if you're going to be um, technically correct in your quotations of Shakespeare, the glister um, <laughs> um, um, in the, in the um, Merchant of Venice, but it has none of the other qualities. So it, it shatters rather than... Rather than um, um, than shapes, um, it's sharp rather than rounded. It, you know, it has none of the things that, that make gold lasting, but when you look at it, it looks like gold. And I think that speaks to a lot of these, uh, the things in life that we uh, put a value on because we think they are the real thing, but they're not necessarily the real thing. And until they're tested, we may not know whether they're the real thing or not. Um, if it's just the visual, then you might never know. But until they've been tested by fire or by time or by stress or any of those other things, you don't know for sure whether whether it is the real gold or not. I was so, struck by how in the reflection you said that they're found in the same uh, kind of conditions, yeah, uh, in the same rocks. You know, the idea that fools gold and gold are often nearby, just in terms of what you're saying, the real deal, like something can look really like it's in the right place. Like, you know, it's the right time. Surely this has got to be the right thing. And I think there's a bit of a warning in that, in that the same conditions that, that can create, if we trust ourselves to God, that can create the real gold in us, are the same conditions that can create the fool's gold or the false gold in us, mm. if we are not guided through the process, if we're not trusting in God. You know, so those pressures or those things and everything like that will instead make us more brittle, make us harder, make us um, false, rather than making us more authentic and real. Um, and that's a risk. It can it can happen. Yeah, I mean, it gets you thinking, doesn't it, about even in relationships and uh, within the life of the church mm -hmm. and how Jesus warns against being drawn into something that's false and doesn't last, and relationships that are are um, you know, there's an element the 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 false they've not got that reality or the, the, the depth of a pure of pure gold mm -hmm. and um, that how do, how do we how do you discern that in the Christian life how, how do you how do you go about discerning that in someone I, I think it's in it's in the prayer though that that Rona writes isn't it uh, Jesus your word is golden keep me attuned to its soft round light calm my mind when it wants to go bouncing off sharp crystal edges when I am drawn to surface rather than depth to brilliance rather than warmth keep me focused on the real thing the precious thing, the solid thing all that glisters is not you I think that's how we do it mm-hmm and, and maybe something in the just thinking about your your necklace, mum, about what you were saying about Julian um, uh, holding it, you know, and feeling it, and the idea that actually gold can look so almost like in terms of what your question is, Albert. Like if you're just looking at it, then it might be fine. But maybe we actually need to get 
hands-on. I mean, not maybe literally like grabbing someone by the ears or something, but like maybe we do need to actually like get up close. You know, we, we need to actually pay attention, care, get involved, not just make a quick guess based on outward appearance. But it's a lesson for the faith generation in a way though um as you know and 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 all of us that you know follow social media and 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 even the news to be honest so much is retouched mm -hmm. so much is um it's presented to us as fact as if it's actually happening and when in fact it's not you know the the kind of model photographs you know you can see the kind of exposés of where they've used photoshop to remove a rib here and there and mm -hmm. and and what's actually real about that person and uh you know reality is to be to be celebrated i think that there was a thing that kind of came to mind as i as i was thinking about that and it was a simple things bbc thing and it was the bbc showing um i think it was one of elon musk's rockets lifting off but actually the audio that went with that wasn't the audio from that rocket it was the audio they'd captured from apollo 11 that they'd been recycling again and again and again and if you listen to different clips of rockets going off it's the same blooming audio through different <laughs> filters and you can because of the, the and that's the bbc <laughs> There's that thing as well about, I don't know if this was on a, a BBC documentary or not, but about elephants' foots, uh, yeah. foots, elephants' feet, that elephants make basically no sound when they walk. Um, but often in nature documentaries, they add a bit of sound because if you watch a huge animal walking across and you hear branches and stuff, then you're like, well, that elephant's got to be making noise. There's no way it's so quiet. But actually, because of their massive feet, they don't make noise. But apparently, even in quite reputable documentaries, they'll they'll just add a little, sweeten it a little bit uh, because people are, you know, an elephant's got to clatter about, right? It's got to... Because it, it gives the visual image weight and depth. Yeah, totally. Have you ever seen a science fiction movie where a spacecraft doesn't make a noise as it goes through every Star Wars movie there is? The spacecraft goes... <laughs> as it goes through space. No, it wouldn't. It would make no noise at all. All you would see would be a bit of light and the thing move away from you. Because Just a wee blip. <laughs> I've got a little, little fact for you there, um, uh, Ian, because I listened to a, a, a podcast about sound and it was talking about sound used making for of things like uh, Star Wars. And the sound engineer who had done some of this original um, sound for, for the early Star Wars movies gave the information that they often use animal sounds mixed with something mechanical. So it's often an elephant or a lion's roar. And they add, they mix that into the sound of the mechanical because it gives it drama. So if you've got your X-Fighters going through space, there's something in our psyche that, that recognizes the more organic without knowing what we're recognizing animal sound that's in there and it's blended together but Rona how wonderfully are we made <laughs> of our brain actually <coughs> is that tiny distortion in what we're hearing as oh that's threat that doesn't threat. exactly it's amazing but I think too getting back to what you were saying Albert about how we recognize things I mean one of the the ways the the 
conversation on Sunday went in the service when James was talking about the um, how I was referencing the fruit of the spirit and I was thinking about the events in in, in America last week and how um, some of some people there were there uh, saying they were there because of their faith you know they had Christian flags and yeah. all the rest yeah. and this was the, the reason for what they were doing and and my question then is are those actions showing those qualities of love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control? Are those the qualities that we're demonstrating? Because if we're not demonstrating those qualities in what we do, then how can we say that they really are, you know, acting from a, from a gospel perspective? You're becoming a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, you know I speak with the tongues of men and angels. to say that there mind. isn't time for protest, and I'm not saying that, and there's time for being forceful and all of the rest, but but there still is this um, underlying, um, Is are these the qualities that we are demonstrating? Mm. And where is it coming from? You know, like, is it coming from a genuine place? Um, yeah. uh, you know, the outpourings of these things, or is it, you know, mm-hmm. like cheap metal? Yeah. So you see, when in the midst of all this conversation, what's going through my mind is I'm being, I'm being reminded to be so thankful for the people who are the pure gold in my life. Mm-hmm. You know, pure gold, pure gold. You know, the those people, and so often we, we just take them for granted, uh. and a, and within the. the within the life of the church, within our communities, within our working environments, the people who, who, who add so much to our lives. You know, it's not just our families, isn't it? It's, it's this wider connection of friendships that can be so enriching and enabling for us. And so often they don't appreciate it themselves. They don't, they don't know that those golden qualities are so clear in themselves um, um, they might be, oh, and often are some of some of my golden people that I know in my church. You know, would not think of themselves as particularly um, 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 golden, but um, but but I can see it. Other people can see it. And, and yet, the blessing when you tell them, mm. the blessing for them when they're told that thing, mm. even people you might have known all your days, the blessing to them when you tell them how you feel about them, and you don't hold back, and we stop being so. <laughs> prideful about our image and you know mm-hmm. who we are and what the world tells us we should be and what the world tells us we should say sometimes mm-hmm. you just have to be honest and tell people how you feel about them uh, the one thing i learned when my own father was very sick and i wish i'd learned before that was the value of telling people how you feel about them now today tomorrow, next week, the week after. You know, if you love people, tell them you love them. If you value them, tell them that you value them. You know, at work, if my staff have done something good, I try and remind myself to say, that was brilliant, that was brave. Mm. That was an excellent job. Because so often we just, we focus on the negative. Oh, you should have done that. You should have thought that. What mince. You know, shoulda, coulda, woulda. Sometimes, (laughs) you know, that was great work. Thank you for that. Or thank you for helping me. Or thank you for getting back to me with that email. It might sound 
sappy, but I don't think it is. I think it's honest expression of of what we actually are, and and I'm certainly I I'm, I wouldn't say I'm always successful. I think there's there's part of me that sometimes just does simply lose patience about things, but. I, you know that's one of the things God needs to change in me. But most of the time, I try and be that guy that says, "Well done, you know that was good. You did that well." There's a, a line which I've uh, quoted before in Sanctuary First Things, but one of my favourite uh, phrases comes from uh, one of the forty-four Scotland Street novels from Alexander McCall Smith, where two of the characters are talking. And uh, one of them says, it's so easy, isn't it? And the person's saying, what, what's easy? Um, and she says, uh, to add to the sum total of human happiness. <laughs> it's so easy, you know, because it is. Like any little thing that you do to someone has shifted the balance of the sum total of human happiness in the world. You've, you've done it, you know, Ian, by being a bit more thoughtful, by complimenting someone, by, you know, just affirming something in them. You've, you've done it. We've played our part. We, we, we have done something to, to shift the scales and, and I think often we I don't know if there's a kind of embarrassment you know and you said pride as well Ian and, and I think sometimes maybe it's sometimes it's a cultural thing but I think sometimes we feel like we'll compliment people wrong you know as if, as if like and I guess there are bad ways to compliment people but I think more people should take a punt like if you like something just say it just say it you know it's, mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. more people need to hear it I think I mean, I think what you're saying there is true. The opposite is true, of course, in that, James, is in what we've been talking about is the negativity can actually, a very slight piece of criticism, if it's done at the wrong time, uh, when someone's in a very difficult place, it can be that extra, just that extra little smidgen of criticism that, that, that tips the balance for their, how they're going to cope with their day. Absolutely. No, we, we have great power with one another. Absolutely. And I think it's, sorry. sorry, no, I was just going to say, I think it's particularly so these days because you've, you've got it always happening on the personal level, but also because we're in a, a, a social media age where people are commenting all the time on things. And you know, you know, what, if you do anything that's in public, um, most of us will, will, would take 20 compliments and think, oh, that was nice. But the one criticism will be the thing that goes over and over and over in our heads, you know, that makes us think, oh gosh, you know, they, they, maybe they were right and all the rest. And we, we internalize that much more easily. And these days when people put things out on social media and you might have a thousand people commenting on it, and some of them are going to be nasty and it seems inevitable that some mm -hmm. of them are, are, are nasty and it's, it's very hard for people to be resilient, but it is quite easy to try and tip the balance, as James was saying, you know, to try and, and say, well, no, I'm going to do something positive here, not to start a fight with the other person in the comment thread who is being negative, but to affirm, uh, affirm that person. I think that's really important. What I, what I was going to say is that one of my jobs is um, I go around the country and, um, a, and, and, and where I live and, and I talk to doctors and, you know, doctors are renowned for being resilient, kind of tough kind of people. We've got a hard job of making hard decisions every other day and uh, not everybody likes those decisions. And, you know, we, came from, we, we kind of, certainly in my generation, we grew up through the school of hard knocks. Um, and we just had to cope with it and get on with it. And there wasn't an awful lot of positive feedback. And what we we have to do now in order to continue to be doctors is we have to do a thing called multi-source feedback. And what that's about is we have to look to all of our colleagues, all the people we work with, and we ask them for feedback and how they think we are as a person to work for. 
So if you're going through some difficult personal times or having to do some difficult changes in organisation and you then ask for that personal feedback, well, do you know what? Some of that's going to be negative because not everybody likes change. And you've got to be a, quite a special kind of resilient person to cope with that. And what I've found through all the years of doing this, and I've been doing it about 18 years now, um, is that when I get people and they, you know what, they have the best feedback you've ever seen in your life, you know, wonderful doctor, caring friend, compassionate, you name a positive nominalization and it's right in there, but it's the one complaint. It's the one person that says something even less than stellar about them. And what do you think the whole interview is about? It's about that one person. And, and, and then they want to justify to me, a complete stranger, as to why that one person was wrong. I don't care if they're wrong or not. They seem to be a good person to me. So I spend a lot of time saying to people, look, we've got to look to balance. We've got to, bad things are going to be said about us, good things are going to be said about us. And the higher up we can uh, go in the public sphere, the more of these things that we do get. I have been probably criticised an awful lot of times for not, really not judging people because I don't know them. I don't know what made these people do what they did in America. I don't know. I don't know why they did that. Because I don't know. Some of them might have been caught up in the moment. Some of them might have had lots of pain that they suddenly brought into this sphere. I just don't know. Do I know it was not a good thing? Of course I do. But that's easy for me. I'm a thousand miles away just looking across the Atlantic. I don't know what was in people's hearts. I don't know why you would wear a beaver skin in your head. I don't know why you would do that and paint your face. Why would you do that? I don't know. But I, I'm kind of reluctant to judge that dude. I mean, he's bigger than me for a start, so get out there, man. Peace. I, I can see you, Ian, with a Scottish saltire. <laughs> Here's the thing, Albert. I could see me in a Scottish saltire over this week. And a Glengarry. Glengarry. <laughs> and I'm in front of Parliament. Do you know what I can see? I can see what I mean, what I'm saying is we don't walk that mile in other people's shoes. We don't know and we really need to think hard when we go online and we do that reactive typing to something that we don't know that person's story and we can't know that person's story. So for goodness sake, take a minute. And what would Jesus do? Because I don't think Jesus would do that. I don't think Jesus would come in with a negative. I think what Jesus might do, but please you guys you, you spiritual uh, minister dudes, correct me if I'm wrong. I think what Jesus would do is Jesus would ask a question. Why, why are you taking that position? He might say, I don't know. But that seems to me that the Jesus of the Bible did that. Until he came across things that were hard and fast, absolutely categorically wrong. And then he certainly kicked off against it, like the money sellers and all that stuff in the in the temple, you know. And maybe even they had a story. But at the end of the day, you see where I'm coming from. I don't think that he would have been a keyboard warrior and got on his keyboard and said, Brrr, this is this, this is that. Um, we don't know people well enough and we shouldn't pretend that we do. And we also shouldn't pretend that we know celebrities because we don't. They're just people like we are. Just people. And, and they've got feelings and, and these feelings can be hurt. And we need to start to realise that on things like Twitter. At least that's my view of it. I so think it's, it's, <laughs> no, but I think you're right, Ian, but I think it's, it's, it's how you get the balance where 
a good men stand and just do nothing. Yeah. Yes. You know, you know, a line from one of the songs that we wrote many years ago. But you know, uh, you know, this, you know, when uh, we, we've seen in our lifetime children being sold, we've seen all kinds of things. You know, and people just sitting on their hands, not doing anything. You know, and it's that kind of. You, we, we allow sometimes we allow things to happen because we don't say what we think and and I think so it's a balancing act maybe it's when we have we've got to know when we have when we have got an interest where we've got to be able to say something because what our voice is we have got a, we've got a right to say it I think sometimes it's, it's when we know we've got the right to say something it's, I think the thing is, Albert, be informed. That, that's really the thing. You know, be informed and ask the questions. Do you know, I, I agree about asking the questions, and I think it's often a matter of challenging the actions or challenging the decisions rather than attacking the person. Um, and, and when you start attacking people, they, they then become defensive and hardened in their position and they have no opportunity to, to change or, or to develop. Um, but if you challenge the actions, which I think Jesus did whenever he saw something that was unfair or whatever, he didn't let it, um, let it pass. He would, he would challenge the action, but he, would, uh, he somehow was able to affirm people while, while doing that at the, at the same time. And it's, uh, it's difficult. But, it, but it's also about um, knowing when we have the voice to speak, but also knowing when it's not our voice to speak, when it's somebody else's voice that should be heard. Um, and knowing when when to, when to stand down and let somebody else be heard. You know, a lot of the um, uh, mission from the margins sort of liberation theology stuff is about let's not say we're speaking for these people who are oppressed. Let's say, let's hear what you're saying and yes. tell us so that we can, yeah, we can actually learn from it. Um, um, why are you doing this action? Is there actually a reason? Tell us about it. Tell us where it comes from. Mm. Well, listen, guys, we're getting near to the end of our time together this evening. It's been fascinating. But to round up, I was just thinking, is there anything that we want to just, uh, we, we, you want to, to bring out from tonight that is just uh, an encouragement to those listening and summarising where we've been in the journey we've been making tonight? Anything you want to add to what we've been thinking tonight? Hmm. I think realise that you're gold. Just know that you're gold and let your light shine and just you know that you do the best that you can with what you have at the time. Um, and don't be drawn into things that people are pushing you into. That That's what I would learn. That's what I've learned from all of this. And don't be frightened of just trusting and just saying, right, God, fair dues, it's your, it's your game. I'll just keep on going, falling through the floors. Falling through the floors, I like that. I think I would say, and I was very aware of this when I was writing because of the context of the times, is that a lot of people are very weary at the moment. A lot of people are feeling really battered down and worn by yet another lockdown, anxieties about, about their work, about family, about health. You know, sort of almost everybody is feeling it to some degree even more than than the others and i think it's it's that that i suppose that message of of resilience that that you know this too will pass this this refining process or whatever there is a there is a way through it um 
and 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 if we can try and wherever we can soften ourselves through it rather than harden ourselves to it um then 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 yeah that's the 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 I'd like people to feel it's okay to be weary. It's okay to be to be feeling shattered and broken because you know lots of people are at the moment. So you know you don't have to pretend you aren't. That's just what we're going through um, as a as a global society at the moment. Um, but that doesn't mean that we can't hope for um, for the yeah the resilience of gold to be molded into something new. Yeah. If I may, I'll just um, go to uh, the words you wrote, Mum, on Wednesday um, that kind of, that relate to that as my kind of, um, so my contribution is your contribution. Um, but when you wrote, uh, when I feel overwhelmed by what I don't understand or want to turn away from anything that makes me uncomfortable or feel that the whole idea of faith is foolish, take me in your golden current of grace let me rest in its eddies and flows, knowing there is sense and purpose and meaning to be found. And I think there's something, you know, with all these gold metaphors tonight, but the idea of this liquid kind of warm water, you know, perhaps this golden current and how we can rest in the eddies. And sometimes I think, you know, with this difficult year we've had and, and what we're looking forward to, knowing that there is sense and knowing that there is purpose and knowing that there is meaning not necessarily knowing what the meaning is or what the sense is or exactly what the purpose of it is, but knowing that it's there, that we can loosen our grip a little bit and just float, you know, and just rest in the eddy um, is, um, is what gets us through. What I want you to think about if it was always to remind ourselves of the hallmark, that there is a hallmark on our lives and it's the presence of the Holy Spirit. It says in the Bible, if we have received Christ, we receive the hallmark, the seal of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And it's that presence of the Holy Spirit that says, I, I am with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And it doesn't matter tonight what the issues that you're facing. There is this concept that through it all, God says, I will go through I will fall through the floors with you and will hold you. And at the end, it's back to this. We continually often end up with this, this saying, you know, of Julian of Norwich, with God, all things shall be well and all manner of things shall be well. It's this faith, this utter faith to believe, to have the courage to believe that all will be well. So listen, friends, as the night comes to an end, it's two minutes past 10, that you might see your hallmark. The, you've, been, you've been sealed with the presence of Christ, with the spirit of Christ, and that can't change. And therefore, he says, I will go with you, and I will never leave you nor forsake you. And that, 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 that is more important, isn't it, for us to be reminded of that tonight. So thank you to you, Ian, and thank you to you, James, and also a huge thank you to you, Rona, for your work this week. It's been a blessing to us all. I know so many people have just been encouraged by it. And there have been lots of comments, as you can see, as you've seen on the, on, on the, on the site about your work, and we really, really appreciate it. Thank you.
And thank you to you too, Ray, for being with us tonight and for uh, being there as our technical support, uh, making sure we're safe. So thank you. Keeping us golden. Keep yeah, golden. absolutely. Silence is golden. But, <laughs> yeah. but until next week, can I remind you on Sunday, uh, the three o'clock service on Sunday, and we're going to be talking about taking this, this, uh, this theme a little bit further and just thinking about... Um, in our weakness, we can find strength and we can find God's presence through our weakness. And that's that's the, one of the keys we're going to be looking at on Sunday. And then next week, I think it's uh, Tuesday, uh, the, I think Tuesday, the the coffee shop is open, I think eight in the, in the evening. Am I right in thinking that? I'm not sure. I'm not across all the times. I mean, I think the times will be on the website. The times are on the website, but there are two openings of the coffee shop this week. And um, there's also the book clubs that you can be part of. And also, uh, if you want to be a part of a connect group, get in touch with us uh, and uh, contact at Sanctuary First and uh, get in touch with us and uh, we'll put you into a connect group if you're interested. Uh, I've got a connect group working on a Tuesday and uh, we've been going through a lot of this material and it's been really, really good. So again, if that's something you'd be interested in, get in touch with us. But until next week, can I just say good night and have a great weekend. <laughs>